0: You ever get frustrated with not knowing what you don't know I know I did whenever I was trying to learn how to be a great leader and a great manager and it is a common problem we all search for answers but don't know where to go and you might try to Google it but you know there's so many opinions you don't know whether or not anybody really knows what they're talking about well because I know that's a problem I wanted to place that leaders could go to learn from other great leaders. They could learn the techniques on how to motivate, coach their teams, and how they themselves could be productive and have a great career. And I created this at mojouniversity.com. So I want you to go to mojouniversity.com, sign up, uh, all of the details are right there on the page. And I know that you're going to love it. I want to hear your thoughts after you do the trial and, and check it out. So please feel free to email me, Steve, at ManagerMojo.com. We are committed to your success. That's MojoUniversity.com. Yeah. Hello and welcome everybody, Steve Caldwell here, and I'm telling you, you're in for a real treat today. Uh, I'm excited to introduce our special guest, Mr. Isaac Lidsky. Now, Isaac has a very, uh, I guess the only way to say it is just an eclectic resume. He played weasel on Saved by the Bell, the new class. He graduated from Harvard College at age 19 with a degree in mathematics and computer science. He graduated from Harvard Law School and then served as a law clerk for Supreme Court Justices Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He's worked in the commercial uh, uh, industry, as far as contracting. He worked for a concrete concrete subcontractor. And he's also gotten into nonprofits. Uh, He founded Hope for Vision, a nonprofit that funds the development of treatments for blinding diseases. And if that's not enough, he lives in Florida with his wife and four children. And get this, folks. uh, He was born with retinitis pigmentosa. It's a rare degenerative disease of the retina that caused him gradually to go blind. So I know we're going to learn a lot from Isaac today because we're going to talk about his new book. His new book is called Eyes Wide Open, Overcoming Obstacles and Recognizing Opportunities in a World that Can't See Clearly. Isaac, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. So glad to meet you and glad to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks, Steve. I appreciate uh, you having me.
0: Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. And I I know we're going to all be inspired uh, by your book and uh, your comments today. But before we do that, why don't you share with us what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work?
1: Sure. So, you know, my, my day job is as CEO of this construction services company. Um, the la- For the last couple of years, sort of writing the book and, and really uh, going around uh, the country and the world and, and sort of speaking about my vision, my philosophy has has kind of been a passion project for me, and it's been a lot of fun. It's taken me uh, far and wide, and I'm always struck by the fact that you know I'll get up there and kind of share uh, my insights, share my story with folks, and invariably, uh, afterwards, people come back and sort of reciprocate. They share with me, so um, I've gathered a bunch of amazing stories and new friends and experiences. So it's been it's been amazing.
0: Uh. That's totally awesome, and I know that uh, we're all going to benefit from your insight and guidance today. Uh, So what an amazing career that you've led already, Uh, and uh, why don't you share with us a little bit about your your background story that really made you the expert on being able to share the things that you've done with us in your book.
1: Sure. So... You know, as, as, you, as you mentioned in your, your, your generous intro, I've, I've been blessed to have a lot of really neat experiences in my life, you know, childhood acting career and law and a couple of businesses and, and whatnot. And um, along the way, from age 13 to 25, I slowly lost my sight to this degenerative disease, and it produced these sort of bizarre visual effects and kind of shattered the illusion of, of sight as this uh, sort of passive and, and uh, you know, immersive experience. And, you know, obviously, at first it was very terrifying and uh, very difficult, and it took a lot of uh, adjusting. But in a, in a beautiful way, the sort of disease kind of was part of the cure. Um, I saw firsthand, uh, literally saw the, the sort of immense power of our minds uh, to really shape the reality we experience, shape our lives. And uh, it turned out to be a very empowering and liberating uh, experience for me that I credit with much of the joy and fulfillment uh, I've been blessed with in my life.
0: Well, that that's an amazing testimony to be able to say that. Uh, tell us, uh, if you will, uh, what what really uh, I guess was at the core of your experience to really make your your uh, your brain really recognize the power that you had within you. What was the difference maker for you?
1: Sure. So if you picture uh, like a Jumbotron screen in an arena, right, which has, you know, millions of bulbs right. um, and imagine that sort of, that's like the retina of the eye. Now imagine that those bulbs start sort of randomly breaking over time. So you're watching my life as a movie on that screen. And at first you might not notice, then it becomes annoying and sort of certain regions of the screen sort of transitions into a nuisance. And then you're know, kind of bits and pieces of the screen, you know, become unusable. And this is kind of what, what the experience of sight became like for me. So from this sort of passive, experience where you think, you know, seeing is believing, right? We have a saying for it. Um, It became a very sort of arduous, frustrating, conscious process, trying to piece together clues um, and really seeing things that that weren't there. I mean, it sounds weird, but objects would kind of appear and morph and and disappear. And I realized that, that, you know, the brain was so good at creating this experience of sight for us um, that it seemed, you know, kind of real or objective or true, And sort of then I looked again at sort of other aspects of my life, and I saw that the same is true for all of us in all of our lives. The same is true in in, in many aspects of life, the way we experience our fears, uh, the way we experience our uh, sort of self-limiting assumptions about ourselves, our misconceptions about our strengths and our weaknesses, uh, purported vulnerabilities, um, the way we misconceive the force of sort of luck in our lives, um, our seeming struggle to listen to each other and to our own hearts and sort of, and on and on and on. We really um, are sort of uh, the masters of our own realities, but, but don't often see it, don't often realize it. And, and I was blessed to, to, to literally see it firsthand and it changed my life.
0: Totally amazing. Uh, so tell us how, how does, uh, what have you learned to help us understand how our perception really kind of limits our reality?
1: Yeah. So, so much of uh, so much of uh, of our of our opinions, our emotions, uh, our, our thoughts, um, we kind of we kind of perceive, we experience as, as truth, as immutable truth, things we can't change when, when they're anything but. I mean, at the end of the day, in in every moment, uh, every moment, regardless of the circumstances you are facing, you get to choose uh, who you want to be and how you want to live your life uh, in light of those circumstances. And uh, it doesn't always feel that way, and it's hard to do. Uh, But whether you believe it or not, whether you want to or not, uh, you know, whether you accept it or not, that's your ultimate power, and it's your inescapable responsibility. Uh, So, you know, for me, having kind of seen this and realized it and thought more about it, the choice was obvious to live with intention and, and purpose and awareness and accountability Uh, for the experience that I'm creating for myself every day.
0: That's uh, very cool, and I know that uh, all of us really are listening to this and wondering, uh, you know, or can't help but think, well, you know, we put up all kinds of excuses uh, for our life, but I think one of the biggest things that people have is fear, and I I can only imagine that you must have been uh, very fearful when this all started happening and going through But yet, you you actually took that crisis and you owned it, and you shaped your reality. Help us understand how we can address those fears.
1: Sure. So fear is uh, you know I devote a lot of a lot of ink to fear. It's a it's a really pernicious force in our lives, and boy, can fear distort our realities—the way we kind of experience reality. So. You know, when I was diagnosed with my, with my disease, uh, blind disease at age 13, right, I knew blindness was going to ruin my life. It's not something I thought. I just, I knew it. I knew uh, it would end my independence. It would end achievement for me. Uh, I didn't think that I would find, uh, you know, sort of sincere sort of love and respect of a woman because I wasn't going to love or respect myself. So I wouldn't be married. You know, I wouldn't have kids and on and on and on. Now, you know, this, these were lies. This was a, the baseless uh, reality of my fears, but it felt really real. Uh, it felt like truth. Now, uh, ultimately what I, what I you know, sort of came to understand is that you know, we, we are creatures designed to you know, predict, infer, uh, assume to kind of you know, generate uh, good predictions from sort of past experience, right? We, we develop a, a database of experiences that we reason from. Well, when we confront the unknown in times of change, in times of crisis, uh, that system kind of breaks down. So fear steps in, and sort of fills the void of the unknown with with the worst case scenario, with kind of with the awful. And if we're not careful, uh, we believe it. And then the worst part is it becomes self-realizing, self-fulfilling uh, because we believe that reality. Uh, and fear has this, you know, kind of interesting way of keeping us on the sideline, which which I can get into. But anyway,
0: no, uh, if we believe it,
1: that. then it often tends to be true.
0: I, I totally agree with that. I think that uh, that fear becomes a reality, uh, or what we fear becomes a reality, many times because that's what we've turned our brain to focus on, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's a choice. (laughs) That's a
1: choice. It's hard to see it sometimes, but it is a choice.
0: Well, I, I know personally that, uh, when you're afraid and when things have, uh, have come at you and you had no idea how they were coming at you and where they were coming at you from and what you were going to do. I mean, it, it can be very, very, uh, i guess discomforting is not a strong enough word but paralyzing y- yeah paralyzing you don't really know where you're gonna go but in, in your yeah. case uh it, it and and in mine too it it sounds to me like what you did is you you somehow changed your focus uh yeah could exactly. you tell us how what what went on there and how did you do that
1: Sure. So I remember the, 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 the vividly that the day I walked into the occupational therapist's uh, office, the low vision rehabilitation specialist office in my late teens, uh, maybe I was 20. And, you know, I was ready to talk about blindness, capital B, this amorphous boogeyman, this force that was going to destroy my life and tomorrow and the future and, and the sort of sad fate that awaited me. And she wanted to jump in and start, you know, talking about practical sort of solutions for specific problems, right? Like, do you use a cane? Do you use screen reading software to interact with your computer, uh, techniques to organize your clothing, and on and on and on. And I was really excited about uh, her solutions, but at the same time, I had this feeling like we're, we're not talking about kind of the important stuff here, right, blindness. And, and then it really hit me, you know, that there is no tomorrow, There is no doom and gloom, awful, you know, scenario that we concoct in our minds. There is only ever right now uh, this moment. And in that moment, I realized, you know, again, everything I thought I knew about going blind and being blind was a a lie sort of made up by my fears. I didn't know anything about it. And worse, I hadn't done a thing to learn about going blind or being blind. Um, So I decided in her office that day that whenever I confront fear, I'm going to ask myself two very simple questions. What precisely is my problem, my immediate problem, broken down into a sort of most discrete, sort of specific solution? You know, and number two, what, what can I do about it? Focusing on getting, you know, not from A to Z, but, but A to B, right? I mean, you will not get from A to Z if you do not get from A to B. I guarantee it.
0: Amen. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, I think living in that moment, uh, that's all any of us can do, and yet we, we somehow— feel like that we have this uh deceiver inside of us that says we know everything that's coming but none of us do That's exactly right. Yeah, and, and we're you know, we're wired to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't want to say it's all
1: bad. There's obviously, you know, evolutionarily or you know, whatever you believe sort of got us to where we are today. There's there's great reasons to feel fear. There's great reasons to be skeptical and and, and on and on and on. But um but man, when it comes to, you know, the sort of uh, the magnitude of our greatest aspirations, we get ourselves into a lot of trouble.
0: Uh, I know I've been there. I've, i I think I own that t-shirt. I get it. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we, we get, uh, we do buy our own trouble, but you know, I, I want our listeners to actually just think about this just a moment because, uh, you, you, know, you, you changed your perception and so many people, uh, I, I think they believe erroneously, uh, whenever they start talking about uh, the things we perceive and the good things in our life, we tend to uh, attribute them to luck. And yet, you know, look at yourself. I mean, you were born with an amazing mind. You had an incredible academic career. You, you were moving ahead in all of those areas. But this, this one thing uh, could have deprived the world of all of your gifts. But you didn't—you didn't actually let this concept of well, just lucky you figured it out. You, you actually approached this from a different lens. Uh, tell us how you approach uh, these problems, and these issues, because I think I think many people don't know how to get from A to B. I think they think in terms of the answer is A to Z, and they want to skip a bunch are of you, cells. Are, are you? Are you?
1: Sorry, to interrupt you, are you Do you want me to speak a bit about the force of luck in our lives? Is that kind of where I, we're going?
0: I, I want to look at your perception of it. How, how did you change sure. that? Because I think, I think you used it in a powerful way, and I want to hear that.
1: Yeah. So you know, luck, like like so much of of our lives, is something that bears you know serious thought and 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 scrutiny. But I think we we tend to sort of oversimplify and kind of get it wrong. So I'll give you two specific examples. Awesome. We have this sort of feeling, this sense that uh, uh, events beyond our circumstances, beyond our control, you know, events of chance are good or bad and can be labeled as such, and can be labeled as such kind of uh, immediately and in absolute terms. Man, the truth is just totally different. Uh, Events aren't necessarily good or bad. They just are. And we have so much control over uh, how those events manifest themselves in our life, whether they become good or bad. For me, the blindness is the greatest example. Uh, I will tell you with all sincerity, uh, going blind was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. It turned out to be a phenomenal uh, blessing in my life. Um, so you know, good or bad, who knows? The second way we kind of, I think, misperceive luck, simplify luck is, you know, we have this sense again that there's a clear line, there's a you know clear dividing line between those events that are within our control and those that are not. And uh, the truth, again, is more complicated, more nuanced. There's a lot more things that, you know, are kind of gray or, frankly, that belong in that they are within our control category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's really important, uh, you know, to, to consider the, you know, sort of events beyond your control circumstances in your life, the forces of, of luck and chance. But, but you know, do it, do it fairly. Do it with some rigor.
0: I love it. I just love that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of leaders struggle. Uh, I think uh, because truly, uh, as you have said in your book, uh, we need to have our eyes wide open. But what what you're really ter- talking about is the the uh, the gift of listening to others. Uh, so, yeah. tell us how we can really begin to understand what others are, are saying to us. Uh, tell us those things that you I'm sorry, dude, you I would... wasn't
1: listening. What was your question?
0: I love it. I no, love it. I love it. And, and that's, that's true.
1: That's a great question. Sorry. Yeah, you know, <laughs> when I first took the helm of my most recent uh, sort of business venture here. In 2011, I was really worried that uh, my inability to see was going to really sort of hamper my company, be a burden for my team, because, you know, obviously I don't get facial expressions or gestures or kind of, you know, visual feedback. So, you know, we, we would invariably we'd find ourselves, you know, around the conference room table, my leadership team, and, you know, someone would make a point and I'd say, you know, do you, hey, what do you think? Do we agree? Do we not agree? And then, you know, I would hear silence. And I'd say, you know, folks, are you nodding your heads again? And then, you know, yep, we're nodding our heads, you know, sorry. And everybody chuckles. And I'd say, oh, yeah, it's real funny. I'm still blind. You know, nodding your heads doesn't really help. So, um, again, it was, at the time, I thought it was, it was burdensome, but for me and for them, but, you know, I I said, look, we're going to have to solve this problem. We're going to go around the table and everyone has to say, yes, I agree or no, I don't agree. Right. So if everybody was nodding their heads and nobody said a word, you'd think it's going to be real quick. We're going to go around the table and everyone's going to say, yes, I agree. That never happened once. Uh, it never happened once. Instead, I got, well, yeah, I kind of agree. You know, <laughs> okay, well, I would like to know the ways in which you kind of well don't necessarily agree. You know, let's talk about that. Right, right. And, you know, we wound up communicating at a far deeper level. Uh, it forced folks to be vulnerable. I later realized that the, sort of the awkwardness and the tension was a byproduct of the sort of the vulnerability inherent in meaningful communication. It had nothing to do with my blindness. Uh, but my blindness is what forced the issue. Um, and I really do think that the sort of amazing success of my team is is largely a result of of this dynamic. So so go figure. Was you know were we lucky or unlucky to have a blind CEO? You know who knows.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, I think uh, you're proving that uh, the the luck part came about that they were able to work with you because I can assure you that uh, open communication is one of those things that it rarely happens in companies. Uh, people do it depend does. on all of this nodding heads and stuff. When in reality, they're thinking, "Oh no, uh-uh, I don't agree with that," or I- "I'm not sure at all," and so they don't yeah, have that meaningful dialogue.
1: Yeah, it's a shame because, you know, uh, you know, it's tr- a deep communication, truth, honesty, transparency. Obviously, requires a lot of trust, which requires vulnerability and 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 all those things. But you know, at the at the end of the day you know, again, looking at it, eyes wide open, you know, are we, or are we not, you know, all of us here in this room, you know, endeavoring to labor together towards a common purpose, um, that we think has value, uh, and that we are committed to, uh, because, you know, you you know, once you get there, the Mm -hmm. rest should be pretty straightforward, you know? Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, so in, in your, experience as a leader uh, and by learning to really listen and get dialogue started with other people, uh, how much did, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, we we tend in the corporate world to talk about vision of leaders, but the reality is we don't really know what that means, I think, I think we use it as something that is totally not. How did you cross the bridge to real vision to identify that common goal and common purpose?
1: Sure. So for me, you know, as as you know, that being um, having the privilege of leading a team, my my view was each of us on this team has sort of direct responsibilities, right? For I, I hate the term silo because they usually have such negative connotations, but we each have our own kind of zone of of responsibility within the organization. Uh, you know, what one one person on the team has to keep the trucks running, the fleet, the, you know, the tools and equipment. The other person has to get the schedule right. The other person has to buy the materials, and on and on and on. And that's great. When we get in this room. And close the door together. We are a team with a common purpose, and we succeed or fail together. And uh, we, uh, if we're one of us falters and the rest of us do not uh, help that person or, or contribute to their their, their stumbling, uh, we've all failed. So you know, look, there's no no pride, no ego. You know, we're working together towards a common purpose, and you know, then then it's about holding people accountable. And, um, you know, if you can inspire people and, and get the right people on board and, 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 you know, they have the right attitude, great. I always say, you know, attitude and, and, and commitment means far more than you can you teach everything else. Amen. Occasionally it's tough. Occasionally you have someone who, who's, you know, the, the proverbial, you know, rotten apple. And uh, I'll tell you, on a team that functions as well as uh, mine does with as pe- people are, who are as dedicated and loyal and as remarkable as I, I'm not going to subject them to someone who's going to bring them down
0: i love that because i think a lot of leaders do accept uh people that are non-performing and that are not willing to contribute and they're wanting to live off everybody else instead of contribute what they should contribute and uh, that's
1: exactly right we i mean and everybody on our team from you know top to bottom we want you know we want you to earn a good living we want to treat you well you know yes this is a job but if, we, if, you, if you show up to work, we want you to be uh, part of our mission, which is to build something special. We want to be a company that is excellent, takes pride in what we do, services our customers well. And, you know, we want people to be proud to be part of our team. And, um, you know, it's a lot to ask, but, you know, people, you know our, our team members get a lot in
0: return. But, Isaac, don't you think that, that people really do want leaders to give them uh, goals that, that are challenging so they can live a fulfilling life? Don't you believe that's a part of what a leader really has to do? Absolutely.
1: There's no no doubt about it. You got to give people the, the the opportunity and the tools to succeed, to thrive, uh, to grow. Um, that's what everybody. And by the way, and all the studies show that, right? Everyone thinks oh, It's all about you know compensation. I'll just throw the guy an extra you know five grand a year or whatever. And it's just not. I mean, we are human beings. Absolutely. Uh, we want to feel good. We want to have purpose. We want to know that we're part of something special. Uh,
0: yeah, that's, a good, that's, that's, the, that's the trick in, 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 uh, in building a team. Well, you know, uh, so many people don't realize that uh, they just haven't lived long enough, in my opinion, to uh, to, to actually think about how easy is it to, to forget that you just got a $5,000 raise, as you talked about. For goodness sakes, it, I mean, 30 days later and you're thinking, ah, yeah, it's been forever since I had a raise. You forgot it because if you yeah, and- were engaged, that would be totally different.
1: Right. I mean, if so I got a $5,000 raise, but, you know, I go to work and I kind of feel like, you know, my colleagues and my bosses don't really care what I have to say. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really seem like this is a place of, you know, of purpose. Uh, it kind of has a, you know, low morale. Like, what's five grand, right? This is where you spend the majority of your time.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think many people really understand that concept. As a matter of fact, I know they do because the statistics continue to show that even very highly paid people will will do, just like the old country song said. They'll tell their boss to take this job and shove it because they've had enough. Yes. <laughs> yes,
1: and and if you look like you can isolate a you know particular uh, sort of niche of a of a market or an industry and look across you know the, the the top performing companies, you'd say, okay, well the companies that are performing the best must pay the highest. Uh uh-uh. uh, nope, that's not how it works.
0: No, it, it definitely is not how it works. You know, Isaac, the companies
1: uh, that are doing the best are the ones that people want to work for.
0: Absolutely. And, you, you know, I, I, uh, you have just inspired all of us, I know, today. And I know people are going to want to connect with you and find out more about uh, your life and your great work that you're doing. And why don't you share with our listeners uh, how they can connect with you?
1: Sure, Steve. So the, the best way is probably just to go to my website, which is just my last name, uh lidsky.com so it's l as in larry i d is in david s is in sam ky.com and i have there you know a blog a ted talk and and obviously more information on the book the one thing that i ask folks is please let me know what you think i really really genuinely want to know uh i'm doing this uh really to sort of build a community and start a conversation and um so if you do visit the website it's very easy to let me know what you think
0: I I think that's awesome. And uh, for those of you uh, listeners that are exercising today, as always, we'll put a link directly to Isaac's website to make it really easy for you. I know a lot (laughs) of you struggle with spelling and uh, maybe you don't even have a pen handy right now. So we'll make that easy for you because I know you'll want to connect with Isaac and uh, and especially get a copy of the book, for goodness sakes. It's going to bless you for sure. So, uh, Isaac, uh, as we kind of draw a close to our conversation today, uh, I really would love for you to, to share the, the top two or three pieces of advice or wisdom that you've shared uh, or, and that you've learned over the time that could benefit all of us. I'd love to hear those. Sure.
1: I mean, you know, b- biggest picture, I would say, you know, really, you know, truly lo- look inside yourself figure out for yourself what success means to you, what value means to you, uh, how you, the person you want to be in at home, at work, in your relationships. Uh, they're, they're tough questions. They're big questions. But, man, they're the important questions, right? They're kind of all that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, recognize your immense power to, to, to make it happen and, and hold yourself accountable. And if you're not living um, you know, the way you want to be living, if you're not sort of uh, achieving the goals you want, then, then make a change.
0: That's, that's awesome. Those are two great, uh, pieces of, of advice for all of us, Isaac. Uh, Isaac, I want to thank you for sharing and teaching all of us today. It's just been really a joy and a, uh, a pleasure to hear you.
1: Thank you, Steve. It's my, it's my, uh, my privilege. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Oh, it's, uh, our honor and, uh, Listeners, I want to remind you, you have been listening to Isaac Lidsky. Uh, he is the author of Eyes Wide Open, Overcoming Obstacles and Recognizing Opportunities in a World That Can't See Clearly. And how amazing is it that we uh, have learned how you do it? And I, I really appreciate it. Isaac, we wish you continued success uh, in uh, your business as well as with the book and We look forward to talking to you again in the future. I look forward to it, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. And if you've enjoyed this, I hope you'll take a few minutes. Leave us a review on iTunes. I appreciate any and all comments that you have. And I look forward to you joining us next time.